text for this morning comes from Psalm 124. You can turn there if you have a Bible. It's also printed for you on page 9. Psalm 124. Before I read it, let me just ask the Lord's blessing one more time. Lord, we do thank you for the gift of your word. We thank you, Father, that you do speak to us as a father speaks to his child. We thank you, Lord, that you have not left us alone to wander aimlessly in this life. You have not left us alone to wonder what life is all about, but that you are the God who not only spoke the world into existence, but who continues to speak to us through this, your holy word. And we thank you, Father, that you have ultimately spoken to us in that final word, that fullest of words, that word who became flesh, Christ Jesus, and dwelt among us. And so, Lord, we do pray that as we consider this text, that we would ultimately see that living word, Jesus, that you would encourage our hearts again, that no matter where we find ourselves in this life, in this journey, that you would encourage us, that you would lift us up, that you would ultimately bless us. We pray all these things in Christ's name. Amen. Again, Psalm 124, beginning in verse 1, it says this. If it had not been the Lord who was on our side, let Israel now say, if it had not been the Lord who was on our side when people rose up against us, then they would have swallowed us up alive. When their anger was kindled against us and the flood would have swept us away. The torrent would have gone over us. Then over us would have gone the raging waters. Blessed be the Lord who has not given us as prey to their teeth. We have escaped like a bird from the snare of the fowlers. The snare is broken and we have escaped. Our help is in the name of the Lord who made heaven and earth. The grass withers, the flower fades, the word of our God, it stands forever. Amen. You may recall that I've actually preached from this text, uh, Psalm 124, before, and you may also remember that I have great fondness and great affection for these songs of ascent, those, uh, those songs right there from Psalm 120 to 135, and my, my excitement over those texts is basically rooted in their context. We know that these are the psalms that the Hebrew pilgrims sung as they journeyed Uh, up to Mount Zion as they journeyed to Jerusalem for their appointed times of festival throughout the year. And so the people of God, as you've heard me say before, would be ascending topographically, literally up to that higher plateau, that higher uh, region of Mount Zion. But as they were ascending topographically, as they were ascending, you know, geographically in pilgrimage, they were also ascending spiritually, as they cast their thoughts and their minds and their affections upon the Lord. They would be ascending spiritually in the midst of chaotic and crazy, busy, uh, afflicted lives. And so we do the same this morning on our own journey of faith. The, The times of chaos, the times of craziness that we too find ourselves in on this earthly life enable us or or propel us to cast ourselves onto psalms just like this. And so for that reason, these psalms, again, you know, Psalm 120 through 135, these songs of ascent, have become sort of a a greatest hits 
for me. You know, this, this looping playlist in scripture in my mind. And I was reminded of that again during our extended absence these past few weeks. And I was reminded that often uh, when we encounter difficulty in life or just these unforeseen curveballs in life, that we don't often need new information about God. That we as Christians have been called, we belong to the family of God. We have cast ourselves upon the mercy of Christ. We have been adopted as sons and daughters into the family of God. We know God personally. We have a relationship with him through Christ Jesus. And so in our moments of difficulty, or in our moments of affliction, we don't often need new information about God, but rather we need to feel his presence afresh. We need to feel his, his touch. We need to feel the fact that he is with us even in our moments of difficulty. We need to be reminded of the privilege that we have to cry out to him, the living God, to enter his courts, to enter his presence like we've done this morning, and to cry out to the living God and know that we are heard. And not just heard, but welcomed. Welcomed in our difficulty, welcomed in our affliction. We don't have to clean ourselves up. We don't have to wipe away the tears. We don't have to to polish things up, but we come unfiltered, before God. And so Psalms are the classroom that teach us and remind us of that lesson, especially in a world that teaches that often Christianity is only for the happy and the wealthy and the successful and the unafflicted. We remind ourselves again in Psalms, this classroom that teaches us, no, no, it's for the broken. It's for the contrite. It's for those who walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Psalm 24, though, has also struck me as a greatest hits type psalm, if you will, not just because of its context, but because of its content, the actual way that it's written. If you noticed, as I read and as I've pointed out in this psalm before, this psalm reads almost like a chant. It it reads almost like a, a chorus or even like a top 40 song that the psalmist expects everybody to know. Hear it again. If it had not been the Lord who is on our side, then he pauses. Let Israel all say, if it had not been the Lord who is on our side, and then he goes on. Whenever I've heard this psalm, you know, not irreverently, but I always picture like karaoke, <laughs> to be honest. I always picture, you know, a, a bar tune where, you know, people are, you know, they're clanking the frothy mugs, you know, together and singing. I picture, you know, you just a karaoke. If you've ever been to a bar or a wedding and certain songs come on the radio, let's be honest, you can admit it here. You tend to start tapping the foot and you sing along. Don't Stop Believing by Journey, come on, always a good one, a crowd pleaser. Sweet Caroline, you know, Neil Diamond, something comes on the radio, it comes over the the speakers, and it's not too long until the whole place, right, the restaurant, the bar, the wedding, everyone is, is singing along. That's what's happening here. The psalmist just got up for karaoke, if you will, and after verse one, he wants everybody to join in. If it had not been the Lord, who is on our side. Everybody now, let all Israel say, if it had not been the Lord who was on our side, and then he continues. You see, this psalm, and particularly these opening verses, are meant to, to prompt the people of God 
to prompt the people of God to consider their lives, to prompt us to consider our lives were it not for the sovereign intervening hand of God, where would you be? Where would I be? If it was not for the Lord who was on our side, but for the grace of God, there go I. Have you paused recently in the hustle of life, in the, in the bustle of life? Have you paused recently to just consider that question? Where would I be were it not for the intervening, sovereign hand of God? When was the last time you paused to take similar inventory? Similar, you know, hypothetical inventory in your life? If it had not been the Lord who was on my side, what would have happened? Where would I be? Who would I be? You see, it's this humble and grateful. It's this self-deprecating even, self-aware posture that is to, to flavor the people of God, to flavor our praise, to, to inform our posture with others and, and, and here in worship this morning. We need that constant reminder that all of life is a result of God's intervening grace. There's a song on the radio, you know, a Christian song on the radio today. I think it's Matt Maher or somebody. Um, if you're alive and breathing, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord if you're alive and breathing. Let everything that has breath, we're told in Scripture, praise the Lord. You see, we're reminded that God sets his affections upon us in Christ, not because of our, our merit, not because of our deserving, not because of our strength, but because of his. We're, we're told over and over again in the Old Testament where this psalm is, is taken from. Remember, this is, the, this is the hymn book of ancient Israel. We're reminded over and over again in the Old Testament that God set his affections on the people of Israel. He, he called them out to be his own possession. Again, not because of their might, not because of their strength or their size, but simply because of his goodness, because of his grace. And so again, similar gratitude and excitement should flavor our response. It should inhabit our worship and our posture as the people of God. But what happens is that oftentimes we just become too calloused, right? We become too calloused, or, or the good news becomes old news, or we just get, you know, we just get busy. We just get caught up in our, our routines and all of those kinds of things, and often what happens is it takes some kind of difficulty. It takes some kind of just break of the norm, uh, a curveball to be thrown our way for us to be reminded again. For the, the smelling salts of God's grace to kind of be put under our nose and just awaken us, if you will, from our lethargy. And again, be reminded of God's intervening grace. That's what happened to me, I know, while we were away. And again, I don't want to overstate our situation. We had things mild compared uh, to others, but I also don't want to gloss over it and miss the lesson, Right? To miss how God speaks to us, again, in our affliction. C.S. Lewis has told us that, uh, that pain or that difficulty is often the megaphone that God uses to, again, rouse us from sleep. To rouse us from our lethargy, again, if it had not been the Lord who is on our side. Where would I be? Where would you be? But David, he continues and he says, If it had not been the Lord who was on our side when people rose up against us, then what would have happened? They would have swallowed us up alive. 
When their anger was kindled, the flood would have swept us away. The torrent would have gone over us. Then over us would have gone raging waters. You see, David and the people of God here in the Old Testament can actually look back into real history and they can find example after example of being caught in the teeth. Being caught in the teeth of affliction, being at this moment where if God doesn't show up, the floodwaters of persecution or the floodwaters of difficulty are just barreling against the levee and it's starting to crack. You know, for them, in the Old Testament, it wasn't a a virus, it wasn't a, a pandemic, but it was this revolving door, as we know, of kings and kingdoms. It was this revolving door of nations and, and neighbors and, and others in the area coming to persecute them, coming to attack. Even what happens, as you know, is that when the uh, levy seems to break once and for all, when both northern and southern kingdoms of Israel are conquered and they're sent into exile and the temple is destroyed, and as we know, it's rebuilt only to be destroyed again by Rome in A.D. 70, even then, what's amazing is that you see God's intervention. You see the way that he allows those things to happen for the people of God that his upside-down grace might be showcased. Because it was in the obliteration of those earthly institutions, if you will, those earthly boundaries that put forth the reality that God would come and establish a kingdom not of this world. That he would come and establish a kingdom unshakable. That he would come in the form of Messiah and actually dwell with his people personally in the true temple who was and is Christ Jesus. And so it is then for us as Christians that that we join that chorus of redemption. We join that chorus of of salvation, that we lift our voices in praise. Again, because we've seen example after example of how the hand of God comes in and it intervenes in our lives. It has for all of us. If we, were to, if we were to awkwardly bring all of you up and make you speak into the microphone, which people love, right? We could all go through our lives and give example after example of how God showed up. But as the Christian... As the Christian, we can also you know, lift our hand in praise. We can also lift our voice in praise because we've seen now the fullness of God's showing up. The fullness of God's deliverance. Again, the establishment of that temple which cannot be destroyed. The establishment of, of his presence with us forevermore. Emmanuel, God with us. The establishment of his kingdom which is unshakable. The kingdom not of this world where again, Christ will reign forever and ever. And so what happens then is that it puts us in perspective. It puts even our own experience in perspective. You know, we could survey Christians today, and like I've said recently, it's like the wheels are coming off, right? The pandemic is is raging. Whatever you think of it, whatever side of that aisle you're on, the pandemic is certainly causing difficulty. Let's just at least say that. And it's raging, right? And it seems to be no end. And then on top of that, you know, cake is just a thick layer of this unpalatable icing that we call political unrest and division and just this constant, you know, media cycle and everyone's yelling at each other and you survey Christians and it's like, man, the wheels are coming off, right? And yet, that's where the psalm comes in. That's where the story of the people of God of old 
comes in and what does it remind us? Pandemics come and go. Nations rise and nations fall. But the kingdom of God is unshakable. The kingdom of God lasts forever. And so the hope for the Christian is this gospel truth that we have an ultimate hope, an ultimate lifeline. And you see then, it's precisely the gospel that allows this psalm to take on an even greater meaning for us today. David could sing it the way he, he, he wrote it back then and, and ask for everybody to join in. But now we as the Christian can sing it, if you want to say it, even a bit louder and bring more in to the chorus because we've seen now the fullness of the story. We sing this psalm on this side of the cross. And so we can see in these words then what C.S. Lewis likes to call a deeper magic. A deeper magic because it points ahead. If David wrote this psalm, it points ahead to that son of David Christ. It points ahead to that, that greater son, that greater king, Christ. And what we see is that Jesus demonstrates the greatest advocacy for the people of God by conquering the greatest of our enemies, which is sin and death, and he does so at the cross. You see, when we consider our sin, when we consider the innumerable ways that we have violated the holiness of God, yes, in the past, before we knew God, but even in the present, do we not? Even when we know God, We run back to idols as we confessed even in our prayer earlier. We're ensnared again by habits, addictions, temptations that we thought we had put away. And yet, even as a Christian, they they rear their ugly head. When we consider such things, it's then in those moments that we hear the voice of the enemy. We hear the voice of our Accuser, attacking us again, persecuting us again, storming the, the walls of our defenses, telling us that we're not worthy, that we're vile, that we're wretched, that we're unloved. You see, the enemy comes in the moment of our sin and he, he lobs those arrows of accusation. He brings the catapults of temptation our way. He sets siege around our our hearts and minds. He does his best to break down the walls of our confidence, the walls of our confession. And yet in those moments, what happens for the Christian? In those moments when all seems lost, when the wall seems just about breached, when we can't even lift the sword of the word In our own defense, what happens? You should hear this song. You should hear that chorus, that that haunting melody come back into your mind if the Lord had not been on our side when the devil rose up with his accusations. If the Lord had not been on our side when the record of debt stood against us, If the Lord had not been on our side when the fullness of time, atonement for sin was required. Everybody now, join in. 
If the Lord had not been on our side, then what would have happened? The flood of condemnation would have swept us away. The torrent of guilt, the raging waters of judgment would have rushed over us, and yet the gospel announces what? That God is on our side forevermore. That he is Emmanuel, God with us. And again, nowhere was that put on grander display than at the cross of Christ where he conquers the enemy, the greatest of enemies, once and for all. So that instead of being condemned and instead of being enslaved in our sin, we can read verse 6. And what does it say? Blessed be the Lord who has not given us as prey to their teeth. But we have escaped like a bird. We have been set free from the cage of sin and death. We have been allowed to fly into the glorious sky of his grace, of his forgiveness. And so we know forevermore that our help then, verse 8, our help is where? It's always, always in the name of the Lord who made heaven and earth. You see, if God came running in that fashion to affect our salvation, then he will certainly come running time and time again in our moments of need. He will come running time and time again and sustain us. Whatever we go through, whatever path that he puts us on, whatever afflictions or difficulties come our way, he'll be with us. He'll come and rescue us. He'll be there by our side. So again, the question for all of us, where would you be this morning? Where would you be if the Lord had not been on your side? Let's pray together. Our Father and our God, we do thank you that your mercy came running to us in the person of Christ. Lord, we thank you that at the cross, we see the absolute depths of your love, the absolute depths of your pursuit for your people. And so, Lord, would the cross always be the reminder before us that you will never leave us or forsake us, that no matter what comes our way, no matter what hand we're dealt, that ultimately you'll be there. Ultimately, you're already there in a sense. Ultimately, your love will sustain us. And so, God, we do pray for our world. We pray for those who feel lost this day, who feel like the wheels are coming off. We pray, Lord, that your name would be proclaimed, that your presence would be felt and known. But Lord, we also pray for us, the people of God, who do know you, but if we're honest, if we're honest, sometimes wonder where you are. Or at the very least, just wonder what you're up to. What the, the method is to the madness. And so God, even in our moment of doubt, which is real, we pray for, again, your presence to come, to sustain us, to lift us up, to encourage us, to fix our eyes once again on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross. Oh God, comfort us, we pray. Empower us and encourage us, we pray. Again, in the strong name of Jesus, we ask. Amen.